Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we welcome back to the show friend, coach, visionary, entrepreneur, dreamer, dancer, former baseball player, and current ponderer of leadership, Logan Gelbrick. If you've had the good fortune of meeting Logan or hearing him speak, you are all too familiar with his infectious personality. His unique combination of self-awareness, curiosity, and knowledge provide a depth to his coaching that is rarely achieved. And on top of that, the guy is super strong and a damn good mover. He is currently occupied with several iterations of the Deuce brand and namesake, and an integral part of that success relies heavily on his coach's development. Learn how Logan has built an army of ambassadors whose loyalty is unwavering, and maybe even more importantly, who maintain a constant desire to improve. After all, isn't that what we all want out of our coaches? This is episode 244. It's that time again, episode five of Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast. Strength Strength and conditioning. conditioning. (laughs) Actually, I don't know what episode number this is, Tex. I've blacked out for the past 200. Are we somewhere near 230? Uh, Honestly, the only number I do remember is that Deuce Jim was number Deuce, 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 Power Athlete. Oh, wow. True. Stars aligned. Hey, spoiler alert. Shut up, Logan. We we haven't announced you yet. (laughs) But first, let's talk. Oh, dude, I got a great shameless pl- plugs. What? Okay, no, no, no. I got shameless story, but you go right. shameless plugs. Shameless plugs, people. Here's the thing: as you're listening to this, the semester four of Power Athlete Methodology Level One course is open for enrollment. I have literally texts, friends, literally, and, and followers, literally hitting me up after the the fucking enrollment closes for these courses and they're like hey when was the how do people not know about it cuz they're not listening they're not seeing the signs in plain view you're going to have 30 days to get into this course before it fills up if not less so head to pahq.co no m.co slash pa-academy and look for that course right in there power athlete methodology uh, level one, and that is your first step towards earning your fucking handmade block by Jean Wellborn, the French version of John, who's a, more of an artist. Wellborny. Wellborn A. Ah. It's French. <laughs> uh, what else, Tex, on that? Uh, we also have symposium speeches mm-hmm. available on that same. Oh, yeah, but who cares about that stuff? The, the methodology course, how many sections? How many sections? Well, essentially nine, nine sections, 44, 44 lessons. lessons. Five, Five plus hours of video lecture. Yeah. And then a, a sweet ass workbook. Yes. And people are coming out the other end of this thing, tried, tested, and true with a handful of strength and conditioning principles to lay out for their athletes. Now, what's interesting though, as we look at the people who join up, there's like 20% of the people are parents. Yep. You know, for their, yeah, just essentially battle testing all the bullshit that their kids have to face mm-hmm. in high school with mm-hmm. their sport coaches or are going to. Yeah. So we got we know we got Ty out in Cali, who's essentially uh, also applying the tools that he's learning to his cop. Yeah, yeah, his cop buddies. But he selfishly took the course for his kids, kiddos. So people, if you want to get down on that, pahq.co slash pa dash academy, <laughs> and or if you have a question on it, academy at powerathletehq.com. It comes right to the team here, and we'll get you sorted out. Uh, 
Yeah, and I guess there is symposium stuff on there. So we've launched some symposium talks. And speaking of symposium, one of our VIP members, I mean, we rolled out the red carpet for this guy uh, to come and attend. Uh, his fiance, soon-to-be wife, was one of our speakers, the lovely Lindsay Matthews of BirthFit. We are talking to today on this episode of Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast on strength and conditioning. Ing, 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 ing. The Ray Lewis of fitness, everybody. The man who kicks in the door, comes out of the tunnel, and throws that dirty bird dance out there. And he gets your attention, and he puts on a show. And tucks his shirt in. And shirt tucked in with the dad tuck, Sir Logan Gelbrink. <laughs> Jeez. Jesus. You know what's funny about that is I appreciate it, but I know it was 100% condescending. So... <laughs> No, we'll have that. We'll have that between us. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I woke up this morning and fucking hit up text right away. As I, I got, do. I got. The, so I've been waiting for go. this call my oh, entire gosh. life. <laughs> go. So if you tuned in last week, then you know what Luke did to his fiance's vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I guess put the diesel car- in a gas motor, people. I'm not fucking proud of it, but I'm owning yeah, it. I did like it. Those I'm an Port- idiot. Portlandia people. Oh. But I wake up to a call from Luke, and I know if Luke's calling, it's got to be urgent because Luke's a text-first kind of guy. So <clears throat> I get the call. I appreciate that. I pick it up, and he's like, game plan. Doesn't say anything. Game plan, and just lays this down. He needs a precision. He needs two precision drivers. <laughs> <laughs> And we are going to pick Sounds up. Sounds like a felony in the making. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're going to go pick up Ash's car and then deliver it. Uh-huh. So I needed, Luke needed a precision driver. Yeah. He's like, I'll pick you up in 30. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's fucking, yeah, that's how I roll, dude. I'm straight to the point. I don't, let, listen. Game plan. I feel bad because, you know, Logan, I've called you a couple times and just to, I guess, chit-chat. But really, I had like a very specific question to you. I'm not like a really good small talk guy. Like, I have no yeah, desire to do it, but I have to say, I fuck, if I fucking do it, I do enjoy it with certain people, like you being one of them, because it, you're my polar opposite, man. Like, I knew you were coming on, <laughs> I knew you were God. coming on this show today with all sorts of positivity, and right out of the gate, as soon as I pick Tex up, I'm like, I'm in a fucking bad mood, bro. And I was like, I forget what I was bitching about. <laughs> what? And he's like, you know why? Because Logan's on the podcast today. Uh, yeah, I guess okay. the universe is trying to even itself out. But <laughs> it, the stars aligned, literally, the universe aligned for this trip because I watched for the first time ever fast and furious eight last night the premier movie in strength and conditioning i don't know about that <laughs> i fell asleep so i don't know how it ends but i am geared up i'm tooled up i'm fuck i got my my finger gloves i'm ready <laughs> God. yeah i'm floating on, i'm floating in here on like a thousand milligrams of cold brew so that's good i want to be here <laughs> well, the symposium uh was actually speaking of the symposium that was the first time i've ridden in the back of a maybach and I appreciate that. Yeah, you're you welcome. You guys man. really took care, really took care of me. So, uh, it's second time in a helicopter, first time in a Maybach, but oh, uh, it was enough. a really great experience. Yeah. yeah. See, that's that's what we do for our people, people. And is that the first time you've seen snow in, <laughs> no. in Texas? No. In Texas. Uh, you know what? That might have been the first time in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what uh, what did you think of the experience, man? Though, in all seriousness, we we think we fucking kicked the door in and. We did put our best foot forward for everybody there, but I mean, you're a fucking, you're a well-educated person. You go to some of this shit, you put in presentations. What'd you think of the speaker lineup? I thought it was awesome. I think, uh, you know, I walk into something like that and I see, uh, you know, the matrix, like it's, it's more than, uh, 
you know, the experience on the surface. And so I know you guys are busting your ass to put something like that together. So the respect started before I got there, but you know, I think this is the kind of thing I said this out loud after the one in Costa Mesa, that this is the kind of thing that snowballs in a, in a great way and just gets exponential. And it's a thing that the community needs. I think mm-hmm. at this point, they're still in fitness. This is why I love you all so much still in fitness. It's just so easy in my opinion to win because of how bad it is out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like, and so having the few sort of resources where, you know, you walk into an event or a seminar or a podcast, or you, you go into a space where you know you're operating at a certain level. And uh, that's what it felt like the whole time. You know, you're sort of getting whacked across the face with incredible people all weekend. So, yeah, y- y'all crushed it. It was cool. No, I appreciate it, man. And I, dude, I fucking, I really dug Lindsay's talk. Uh, she was out there just giving, I guess, a, an intro to a bunch, because the, the audience is predominantly male. It's probably 80% male, right? And I mean, shocker, if you just look at any of our branding, it's a little edgy. It's hard. It's black and white. It's a skull. It takes a special type of chick to kind of dig into that out of the gate. But once you get through that rough exterior, we're just soft teddy bears on the inside that want to make you a better version of yourself, you know? But um, Totally. But Lindsay's that- schooled a bunch of people up on on what she does at BirthFit, and I got a lot of lot of really good feedback from people on on her presentation. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, she's she's a pretty like metal chick, you know. So she, I think she could do it. If anybody could do it, she could do it. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty aggressive uh, environment to sort of win folks over in. And I think um, you know she is on this planet to say what she is saying with BirthFit, and so it was really cool to see her do that you know, her talk was called like United by motion. And the things that I get excited about are, you know, the connection from something as it could feel like it's on an Island. It feels like it's on an Island to me, uh, pregnancy and the motherhood transition. Like what, you know, that's not something that, you know, boys think about growing up. Right. Uh, but when you see someone like her dive into it, you're making this, this, connection to things that you would never imagine you know so y'all's uh dead bug looks a lot like the athletic version of their functional progression you know it's more about what's the same instead of what's different exactly Uh, they are really interested in bearing the burden of being on the forefront of responsibility for the conversation around the motherhood transition and that includes movement you know and so this isn't like a you know, CrossFit for pregnant chicks or like a mommy and me type of joint. It's like, what is movement and how do we hold uh, everyone accountable to this information once we, we give it to them? And it's just crazy the the research they've been willing to do and the ownership they've been willing to take on that, um, which begins with their strategy to teach uh, women how to move and sort of quote unquote rehab them after pregnancy is through a progression that you and I, uh, and Callie and John and, uh, uh, you know, kids in China and, and women in Australia all went through uncoached as babies, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, if that's not powerful in terms of a connection, that rises above like this dogma and fitness and all the 
stupid rules and shit that we get excited about all the time. If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what would as like a movement coach, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I think people resonated with that, you know, even if they were dudes and even if they didn't have kids or, or whatever. So it was cool. And I got, you know, dude, I got to, um, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm over fitness. You know what I mean? And it has nothing to do with, you know, as you know, uh, we were, we were in the CrossFit fold doing a seminar and now we're not, it has like, it literally has nothing to do with that. I was over it years ago and it comes down to exactly what you said is like this movement and more so it's, I think what pushed me away is how fucking hung up people are on the rules right? Mm-hmm. Arguing about the rules of exercise and shit like that. Like, and it comes down to, you know, what, it, what did McKeefrey, how did McKeefrey put it text about, uh, he has, he has a brilliant quote, Ron McKeefrey, one of our previous guests, CEO, strength coach now with play about like a principle based approach versus like tactics or something like that. Well, his big thing is a principle based coach versus a philosophy based. Okay. Okay. And essentially it comes down to like, stand for something or fall for everything Mm -hmm. and philosophy it is so emotional it's like he's not necessarily you know poo-pooing on it but it's not where you begin right and it's and i guess logan i don't know man and i i guess our listeners it's just that was a great way to put it is like the people trip out on those rules and i'm just i'm over those discussions and like the details and the minutiae and uh you know what but I often see you and fucking Carl over and doing shit with strike and united by motion. And like, there's, there's truth to that. And I think that's why I really dug on Lindsay's talk as well Is like, there's no fucking rules. It was about, Hey, the, the only rule is don't be, don't be a, like detrimental to the mother, the motherhood transition to the child. Like just make sure everybody's moving happy, healthy. And there's like a trajectory, right? You're going in a, yeah. a, a direction of betterment versus like, sets and reps and whether you call it a squat cleaner or clean and just like i can't like things that are so so just irritating yeah that's a it's a personal responsibility thing and it's funny you earlier you uh mistakenly called me the positive guy because i'm like so down (laughs) on all of humanity basically i'm extremely negative and pessimistic at all times so uh, you know i i too can't stand fitness and i actually have never been into it Uh, well clearly you played baseball so that's right yeah so it's like what does that even dude and before i just breeze past that comment you went to 163 games this year and, and only a, hey, a you're, fucking, hey don't don't discount the playoffs i also went to the playoffs for the astros world champion houston astros I mean, you're going to like a day game you know in chicago and then you're going to the night game in new york i mean i've never seen a bigger fan of baseball oh i, um, I, I do appreciate and i'm just doing a lot of research for athleticism in that sport that's that was just my big goal 2017 was athleticism research in there and i came out the other end a fan man shit i won't apologize for it okay i I respect that uh back to my pessimism you know it's like that is unfortunately luke the thing you're talking about is uh it's a human nature thing if you ask me i observe i don't know y'all observe the same thing this is this is something that comes up over and over again. It's huge in like the nutrition conversation. People want to know the rules so they can put the responsibility off their shoulders and onto the rules. Mm. So tell me what it's called. You know, is it paleo? Is it not? Is it keto? What are the rules of this thing? And then when it breaks or doesn't work or they don't get the results they want, they have this thing that they can 
disassociate blame to, you know, and uh, that will always be a lot more popular than the personal responsibility that I think we'd all like to see, uh, which is um, true sort of like ownership of, of your own outcomes. And uh, it's a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer deal. People get hung up on it because it's easier to get hung up on it than to be responsible for it, you know? And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big problem in everything, not just fitness, I think. Yeah. Fair enough on that. Yeah, I, I can see that on a different level. Even uh, you know, it, when it comes to sport coaching, first person fired is your strength and conditioning coach, so it almost just buys you one year as a as a head coach because you know you're you're putting all the blame on them. They didn't prepare our guys that uh, for their their performance, so on and so forth. So it's I don't know, passing the buck, whether it's to the rules or somebody else for not following them. Yeah, it's maybe it's a personality type. I don't know. Well, and you know, we get into this with like the coaches prep thing and context. So like the sort of next outer ring of like the technical base required to coach movement is in our opinion, being able to hold that technical base in context. And this is sort of our strategy, like insurance policy against dogma. Right. And you guys are some of the smartest people in this space and I respect mm-hmm. everything that you guys do. No, and I'm not. You, Don't want me in that. I'm just a guy uh, who listens to smart I guys. Meant, I meant Tex and Callie. <laughs> that should be assumed. Um, so uh, you guys, for example, and I use this example all the time, will create a standard in your training, which is like the common one that your people know really well, toes forward. Why? Universal athletic position. We're coming back to this universal standard and we want to reinforce these postures and positions in our training. So you're how does hired. a squat, what's that? I said you're hired. That, that was beautiful. That's right. Okay, cool. I'm hired. All right. So it's like, how does a squat, what do the squat standards look like in your program? Well, they look like a certain specific way because you have distinct purpose there. Your strict pull up as well has certain specific standards. There's like dorsiflexion happening and there's the, you know, the reinforcement of the universal athletic position and there's purpose there. But you guys hold space for that and teach that all over the world. So you guys still hold space for the standards that you've created in your movement and also recognize that if you went into a weightlifting hall in Europe and saw a guy clean 220 kilos from the floor and his toes moved out, that he is not um, violating the standards for his sport, right? You are not tapping on the shoulders. Excuse me, sir. Oh, your toes should be forward. If you get those toes, right. And that is understanding context. The, 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 the truth that you are teaching and speaking to your people about is true because it is held in the context of what you're doing. And, and it requires another level of complexity. And I would argue responsibility as a coach to go out and teach those seminars and write the programs and lecture these people on your standards, but understand that taking the 10,000 foot view of movement, that there are many, many contexts where say in a gymnastics context, you could hang in that same strict pull-up scenario and have uh, the toes pointed and this hollow body position maintained, which, which is right, which is wrong, right? It's context. Mm -hmm. And so, that is the responsibility that very, very few people are willing to, to 
take in my opinion. And so they would rather say, okay, Luke, okay, text, tell me the rules and they can just follow the rules and sort of not um, be held responsible for the the bigger view, the higher level understanding of that. And I think why it just fucking irks me is I was, I was that guy. I mean, I, I, you know, Tex, I've told the story a couple of times about my quote unquote awakening that was at our course where all of a sudden I realized like, what the fuck am I doing, man? It was, and it was came down to the don't be weird portion, spoiler alert of the, the nutrition lecture. But I like, I was able to take that, extrapolate it, throw that net around literally everything I was doing within the four walls of the box. Right. And then my personal development to be better at that. Cause I was passionate about it and realized like, Nothing matters. Not any, nothing no. really matters. I'm going to take the opposite stance and saying everything matters. Everything is everything. But that is nothing. If everything is oh everything, then it's nothing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Am I no. wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yes. You are, are going to split hairs over this? We are splitting hairs over that right now. <laughs> Do it. You are wrong. So <coughs> on so many levels, one, you're applying the don't be weird to coaching but then the, the adjustment that you're making is now no chin reaching, dorsiflexion on your pull-ups, and essentially a, mm-hmm. a, a squat stance in position that will force those athletes to attack their limiting factors, whether it's ankles, calves, hamstrings, hips, whatever is bothering them. And it's going to feel different. It's going to feel weird, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not going to hurt. So then you took that blanket and you applied it to your coaching of the movements at your CrossFit Napier, Absolutely Napierville. Not. So let me tell you what happened and what, let me qualify and build context, right, Logan, to why Correct. I say nothing matters. Because the universe of emotion and the universe that I was operating in and the rules and all of the things that I had devoted so much energy into were misguided. So my everything at that point, none of that shit fucking mattered because I didn't have a North Star, right? I didn't have context. I didn't have a... A, a macro view, the, the proverbial 10,000 foot view where, you know, I'm talking to my fucking clients about how they should slow cook foods because if they char it, there's free radicals on their fucking broccoli or some shit like that, that I heard on Rob Wolf's podcast. Like I'll blame Rob Wolf. And at the time, Andy D's, right. It was their fault. No, I, I'm kidding people. But like I walked out of there and like, it's not that it, Okay, let's give a, a realistic, nothing matters. It's that my universe of emotional, levers that I was constantly pulling were all the wrong levers. So none of that shit mattered. What really fucking mattered is having a direction, having like, this is a trend. We're talking about trend lines, not just that one single plot on the fucking series. And this is kind of math nerd shit. Imagine you got a nice Cartesian plane, X, Y coordinate, and there's all sorts of scattered dots around there. Right. And there you draw a trend line. You need to focus on the trend line and you start to move yeah, those dots just a little bit towards that trend line. It doesn't have to be on the trend line, a toes forward, a hips to parallel, a fucking sub two minute Fran, right? And I guess this is the small victories and the dominoes that Andy talks about in his lecture at the symposium. And I just wasn't thinking like that. And, and I know I can just talk to somebody. I can talk to family. I can talk to friends who are just getting into this industry. And, um, and to me, fitness is one of those in, in, one of those things that people interpret as a, a very specific event driven trait or discipline or goal or objective when really it's just like, Hey, relax. We're all kind of focusing, like 
creeping in towards this trend line, the goal here should be fucking get up, move, do more than yesterday. And if you're doing that, you're not breaking any rules. You're actually doing exactly what you should be doing. In the past, you've talked about the life, the life cycle of a coach, Mm -hmm. right? And then many people's first exposure to strength and conditioning or personal training or coaching and teaching is through CrossFit. Yeah. And then I guess they reach the end of their fitness and decide to go into Olympic weightlifting or what we experienced teaching and using strength and conditioning for athletics. Mm -hmm. And then they came into kind of the power athlete CrossFit football realm. So... I don't know. How do we accelerate to that point? Is it possible? Or you just got to, you got to care about the little shit until you, until you realize that nothing matters until you look at the galactic calendar. Yes, exactly. I don't know. Logan's a cerebral one, you know, tripping on acid and shit. Well, Well, bathing with spider monkeys off the, (laughs) where do people enter your coach's development course? Have they been in it for years? Have they been in it months or they just heard good things from the, king of social media <laughs> i forgot about that dude thank you, you that is one of the best that hard at that joke that is one of the best gifts you've given me this year tex the cossum king of social media i should have fucking known it hey before you get going though on this let's talk about social media no i'm just kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding so give but for our listeners uh we've talked about coaches prep a couple times just give the fucking 90 second version of what it is so that there's context here Coaches Prep is our insurance policy at Deuce Gym against complacency, and it's our strategy to grow. So we don't hire people, we develop them. And we sort of have two bottom lines going on. We're a fitness business, so we that's what we do. That's our purpose. If we were a barbershop, we would cut hair. We're a gym, so we work out. But equally as important is developing our people and so there's a sort of universal responsibility that everybody is capable of more next year than they are this year and so coaches prep is not just for people who are interested in coaching it's everyone's in coaches prep i'm in coaches prep and that's like a forever relative burden that everybody wears and there's a lot of cool you know takeaways from that one of which is the feeling around the gym is that there are no experts it sort of removes a lot of hierarchy there's this like humble this tone of like a humble vibe across the board because everyone is very clear that this is a a house of learning and then your relative pursuit of getting better is is the same for me as, as it is for the person who knows nothing and it's their first day attempting to to learn to be a coach. And so now that's evolved because it's done that well for us. I think people sort of noticed that or wanted to be a part of it who didn't live close by or, or had their own gym or whatever. And so those sort of principles uh, have been made into a course online and that's Coaches Prep 101. And that is something that people participate in online that uh, has weekly lectures and reading assignments and quizzes and homework. Um, but yeah, we, we have to have coaches prep or we become, we fall victim to all the issues that every other gym falls victim to, which is complacency and stagnation and turnover. Um, it's a very important rite of passage 
for for what we're we're doing and it allows us to continue to evolve you know like the thing that you said earlier luke was uh you know you used to be that guy and here's like the acid trip you know cerebral thing there is to get to the place to get to that outer ring of understanding context and movement you have to previously have had been that guy you have to go through that thing whatever it is so your thing was johnny crossfit you know you forget to eat carbs for three years and you're you know doing 21 everything and rob wolf podcast like two a days or whatever and uh you had to <laughs> he enter, was there yeah you had to enter through that thing now other people have different backgrounds and they have their own arena of of what is true and you have to understand those rules in order to break them come out on the other side right because if this is where i get into trouble with like um these people who who won't own anything right so this is gonna like vibe with text a little bit if if nothing matters and there are no standards ever and there are no borders or boundaries or rules ever then there's no context to hang on to, right? And you need to draw those lines and have purpose, but context isn't saying that, oh, there are no rules, man. Like you can just do it. You can put your feet wherever you want when you squat. It's understanding, well, why do some people do this? There's reasons. And in what context would it make sense to do this? And then like, how does, how does break dancing happen? Like that, like that seems like it's illegal on all accounts. And then what about, right? And so it's not, uh, what I'm saying is not giving up all um, responsibility to rules and standards. It's just putting them in their place and understanding where they're appropriate. You know. So coaches prep. Yeah. So let's redirect. Uh, who who are the people that are coming in? You know. So there. Let's call like being that guy and getting to that place. That's the coach's journey, right? And let's say there's uh, you put that into quadrants or whatever you want to do, however you want to phases where are people coming into this course? Are they, you know, are they woke yet? Are they fucking triggered like me <laughs> or, uh, is that what it's called? Triggered? No, they're all over the map. You know, like there's some people, uh, many people come from like a personal training background and they're trying to understand what this sort of group fitness performance based fitness thing is. You know, there are a couple of chiropractors in there who just, want to understand movement. Uh, there are people who come from a more straightforward CrossFit background. Uh, it's sort of all, all walks of life. And, and um, it's, it's inspiring that way. You don't need to necessarily want to coach at Deuce Gym to do it. But if you want to coach at Deuce Gym, you have to go through it. And that's <laughs> right. where it becomes for us this sort of like rite of passage thing where the conversation is the same every time. You know, all these people want to reach out and they want something they want a job they want a coach they want to you know they want to be a part of the the deuce thing and it's like hey man i got good news and bad news and the good news is that is all available to you you can have that you can make a full living here you can, you're not going to be that if we're going to do what we want to do we can't have people that coach at five different gyms and they're piecing together some non-committal bullshit right and so the good news is Yes, you can have the things that you want and you're fully qualified. You've been coaching this stuff for eight years. You're probably really good. The bad news is it's going to take everything that you have and you can't 
havesies commit your way to doing this at the level in which we're trying to do it. And so coaches prep is this beautiful process of, for lack of a better term, like weeding out bullshit. You know, if you are willing to go through what that thing is, it's certain that you would not rather be somewhere else because you would, you wouldn't do it. Right. And so people all the time at the, the summit, I teach this summit, like for gym owners and coaches and leaders or whatever. And many of them, the biggest complaint is this idea that they want their people, their subordinates, like the people that they would say are like under them to have the same buy-in that they have. You know, I want these guys to, to be accountable and take ownership of this thing. And I'm like, I come back to them with why would you expect it to be any other way? You just told me that to join your gym as a student, you got to pay, you got to do this fundamentals class and you got to pay this thing up front and then five personal training things. And then you go into the on-ramp and then you go into the, the deal. But to coach there, you just have to have done like the 2013 regionals and like snatch 250, right. And send an email. So it's harder to be a student than it is a, a leader in your organization. So it would be a coincidence if these people had the buy-in that you're demanding of them. And so if you want a great team, make it harder to get on the team. Right? Like look at no uh, college athletics, the buy-in and the, the beautiful thing that we all, you know, see and feel on TV, or if you've ever played it, you've, you've, been a part of it and you you know it is beautiful because you're talking about some people who are getting together highly capable people who are getting together and they're going to do something that they couldn't do alone and the reason why it's so magical and there's so much buy-in is because if you're not about it and you can't get in line and be on board hey dude <laughs> there's 13 of you waiting in line get the fuck out of here you right know? and so that rigorous environment breeds the type of excellence that everybody wants, but not very few people are willing to create that environment. So let's stick with that leadership, excellence, culture, environment, and building. So it sounds like a lot of the lessons that you're, you're aiming to apply in your business are learned from, from your experience as a collegiate athlete. So do you look to that experience as an athlete for parallels or these are just kind of natural leadership rules and roles that you find just kind of work best, no matter your, your industry. So I think it's, I think it's both. It goes back to what I said earlier. I was quote unquote, that guy, because my specific background is in this collegiate baseball thing. But my awareness tells me this is where context comes in that those principles can remain true in another, another context. So not everybody needs to understand this by playing college sports. There's a million other ways that you can be exposed to that. But what we know about building teams is that, you know, if you have this purpose that is uh, strong enough to have this sort of call to action, to have a bunch of people line up at the door and you make it really hard for the people to get through the door that once they get in the room on the other side, they feel like they have ownership in what's been created there. And I remember in college watching our manager, our head coach, Coach Hill, 
do his thing. And I was like, this guy feeds his family based on the behavior of 18 and 19 year old idiots like me and my buddies. And he can do whatever he wants, right? He can say, yeah, you can have facial hair or no, you can't have facial hair or practice can start at 5 a.m. or it can start at 9 a.m. or we can wear our pants up or our socks down or everything was free for him to decide. And I remember looking at that and seeing purpose everywhere. And it's what excited me about entrepreneurship. It's the same thing. Essentially, all these are our environments that give us uh, a little bit of feedback as to how we're doing. That's what an opponent does on the field. That's what another business, your, your opponent in business would do. It provides an environment to hold you accountable to see how good you can get. You know, and so I think the team component, the leadership component is the same. Um, but no, you don't have to play college athletics to understand that. You know, There's a couple books that maybe maybe you've uh, tapped into these kind of in your in your inner circle. But uh, I appreciated uh, thinking fast and slow. So, yep. yeah, kind of two psychologists that. Um, they went and applied psychology to business and economic models. And so you had all these economists that would apply and say, hey, theory or the market should go this way or business is going to uh, make this trend. And the two psychologists were really like, no, you're not taking in the X factor. You're not taking in the people factor uh, in this whole thing. So then they essentially made it their kind of life's purpose to kind of apply psychology to business economics. And uh, so that that environment that provides the feedback, they're letting that feedback kind of guide versus just making these grandiose assumptions, these models of it should go this way. These are the trends. And, uh, you know, this economic people that failed to, I guess, make the adjustment for the psychology of people, kind of they, they fizzled out. So, like, their model was right, everybody else is wrong kind of thing. So... I don't know. I, maybe that's you are applying that right now as you develop this this business of fitness, this business of coaching, um, letting the feedback of the environment kind of drive your direction. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about business and sport, and I I can't speak to this, but uh, you know, war is there are heavy consequences relatively right so obviously we would say that war is a a little bit um more straightforward in the heavy consequences than say you know losing a a national championship or something like that but relatively the the based on purpose the mission is very clear the feedback loop is very clear and that's why when we look to learn about performance you know, we don't look into the the bell curve. You look in the extremes, and that's sort of where where you learn. And business, war, sport drive best practices. It, it becomes very clear to all invested parties that the r- margin for error is very small. Everybody's interested in what is the best way to accomplish this goal, and that that gets into the conversation of of performance and performance achieving peak performance comes down to like as we know managing what you can control right there's always a a number of things that are outside your control pure savages of peak performance are managing what's in their control and that has to come with skin in the game 
So the academic thing that you're mentioning, where it's like, well, we made this model or whatever, uh, will never come with the performance weight of someone who actually has skin in the game, right? Who is holding the weapon or who is in the batter's box or is at the free throw line or is, you know, financially vested into the thing uh, because it's just theory at that point. And so in elements of leadership, that's essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to create buy-in or skin in the game where there are shared consequences and they can be emotional they can be financial they can be whatever but without that sort of rigorous thing this is where you get into poorly run organizations where people put their hands up and say hey i'm just doing my job right the company can fail the the outcomes can be negative and you say hey man i'm in my lane i'm following my rules right and this is where higher level groups have to transcend the, the rules so they're they're seeking best practices because there are relatively heavy consequences for not, you know, and uh, few people are willing to do that. It's just the people who are kind of the kind of people that are interesting to you and they're interesting to me. They're the type of people that would speak at your symposium. This is the the, the juice. You guys talk about sucking the marrow out of life. That That's where it's at. Um, and that's always going to be a harder choice than, hey, man, just tell me the rules and I'm going to bang out my fitness version of a nine to five real quick and check out. You know, it's, it's, if you look at any high level organization, what you're going to see is shared accountability, uh, and skin in the game. And I guess, I don't know, public service announcement too, that <clears throat> if you are a nine to fiver, you know, whatever that is in whatever context, like you're not doing, you're not doing anything criminal. You know what I mean? You're in the right direction. And I, I, I often feel like sometimes when I'm talking, like, I'm not vilifying people who just aren't there yet either. You know what I mean? Is that clear to our listeners? It's just so. like, it's just, there's also like the, the, the fork in the road, or maybe it's just a fucking exit ramp, you know, or out of your fucking roundabout where there is opportunity to do so much more, right? To get out of the nine to five, to get into the proverbial entrepreneurial mindset, the, to take a risk and take ownership and, and suffer, suffer the, the consequences of failure and to become battle hardened by that. Right. And I just, uh, maybe that's it. I don't know what I'm. So, I mean, a a big part of being a, a, a high, high level coach is self-awareness, much like being a high level athlete is self-awareness, your ability to kind of take constructive criticism and make the adjustments necessary for peak performance versus thinking, Oh, a coach is giving you feedback uh, or direction, some criticism, and you view it as an attack. Mm-hmm. That's not self-awareness, right? So maybe in your life, you found that you had that moment of awakening, and I guess it was the CrossFit Football Seminar. Maybe it was. I mean, that's what I'm pegging it you back on. You became self-aware mm-hmm. and saw just some some bullshit that didn't make you happy, but then... I don't know what pushed you over the edge because reading the email that John sent, <laughs> that's a hell of a freaking cliff that you jumped off of. Um, but maybe you just had a moment of clarity, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, or maybe contributing yeah. factor. Cause I, I know, know, I know it was just, you, you've anyone who's been in a corporate gig and like what you're talking about, Logan, this nine to five, uh, I worked with Pete, I did it. And I worked with people who loved it. Just fucking loved it. Loved the idea of it, and I never fucking liked it. I just never did. And uh, maybe it was just pulling the ripcord 
out of that gig to do this gig that that allowed it you know so logan i don't know this this is genuine uh kind of question man what did you do after you graduated college after your sports career was over was there a, a ship to personal training was there a ship to a, a suit and tie job where kind of what oh, led yeah. you here so uh after college i i got i got drafted i was like a late sign with the padres played two seasons and a number of different levels for them got fired and had a period of my life that uh that was maybe the most maybe my favorite period and a, a very important period and it was again it came back to self-awareness i remember finishing playing baseball which the goal since i was like five was to play until i was 40 you know so i was 23 and that didn't really go as planned but i you know unlike my peers i had this extreme sense of calm and i think what i attribute that to is the self-awareness part that you're talking about i felt very equipped to do anything and uh, there was a lot of uncertainty in that period of my life. I didn't know what it necessarily was going to be. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but uh, I mean, that doesn't pay you. That doesn't get you anything. That, that, that means nothing, right? And so um, it was a time of introspection, big time. And I was literally, uh, I was making money because I had some asymmetrical information about something i was teaching baseball right so i could make the most amount of money per hour coaching baseball uh but i knew that that was sort of temporary and and uh i was reading like at a pace that i wish i could now and writing and painting and doing all these weird things and it was um a time where i decided that i built a certain level of work capacity for this very specific goal of running, throwing, catching, hitting baseballs. And if I could apply that level of output across the board as like a person, I was very interested in what that looked like. And so I broke it into like three categories, this physical thing, this spiritual thing, and an intellectual thing. And I figured that no one could really argue with or, or let's say compete with whatever came out on the other side of that effort because I, as you guys both know, I'm not very athletic, but I was able to like do a couple things in a sport because I was just a psycho about um, preparation, you know? And so if I could dump that type of energy into anything, I felt like I could win. And so that's sort of what I did. Um, and uh, you know, I had some great strength coaches at the university of San Diego. And so I sort of observed, that there's this huge disparity between what's being done in performance-based gyms and that's what, and then what's being sold to people in this sort of billion dollar fitness industry. And I figured that I could speak to that disparity. And so the idea of a fitness school where regular folks received coaching, like as if they were an athlete was uh, a way to, in an entrepreneurial way, say some of the things that I had to say. And, uh, you know, this just gets back to the fact that this, these are all vehicles. You know, I, I look back and it's like, I didn't even really 
like baseball. Like I wasn't a fan of it. I, you know, when I got drafted, my brother almost disowned me because I couldn't tell you who was in the NL West with us. And he's like, dude, you have to know this stuff. You know, it's like, I realized that I didn't, I wasn't really a baseball fan, but it was an environment that I chose to put myself in that would be extremely rigorous and give me feedback as to my progress and evolve. And that's what entrepreneurship is for me, right? Like, so you go into this thing, you have some skin in the game, you stick your neck out there and you say, I'm going to do this. And then you compete against the best. And then as you get better, you start to compete against better people. And it's just another environment to get feedback and, and develop. And so, um, yeah, that, I'm making this all up as I, as I go. I mean, I, uh, I understand what you're saying, Luke, uh, you know, it can often sound like if you're not an entrepreneur, you're blowing it. And if you work a nine to five, you're wrong. And that's not uh, what it is. Um, I think though, the only person that would really know if you are seeking your peak expression is you. And you have to answer to that every single morning, you know? And I think there are a lot of people who are surrounding themselves with uh, ideas and people that are letting them off the hook for their their peak expression. And that can look like a job, it can look like a relationship, it can look like a lifestyle practice, but I am just sort of signing up for the discomfort of asking that question over and over and over again, what am I becoming? And so fitness, I don't give a shit, but it does provide an interesting environment for development. And that's what excites me. Yeah. And that's, I do not question that. And <clears throat> what's really cool about that and in gyms like Deuce and the gyms that we've worked at is, <clears throat> and you know, we all kind of took the same approach into running our gym like a team. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Big time. And we just had uh, a dude named Jim Davis on, you know who Jim Davis is Logan? I don't think so. Good athlete project. I'm not sure. I, I think you two are going to switch. Fucking, yeah, y'all, y'all you guys are going to be break. like peanut butter and jelly or jelly and jam, right? Uh, we'll link you, what, what's the difference between jelly and jam? We'll save that for the explicit, explicit <laughs> <Okay>. show <laughs> because it has to do with jamming. <laughs> um, no, I, I, you know what? Let's, let's connect them after this over email because you should. Okay. He's, he's uh, switched on, dude. Similar mindset. Anyways, backing up, you know, uh, we often talk about times – uh, our sport and the life lessons learned and carry over. And he, he, he kind of calls that a cop out and it's not the sport that did it. It's the coach within the sport, you know? And as soon as, as you're like talking about accountability and placing blame or not taking ownership, as soon as you say it was the sport, then the coach gets a hall pass. Anyways, I'm, I'm wrapping, let me wrap that up, package it up, throw it out. Um, and try to get back on the train of thought that I was talking about here. But I guess it being, you know, this, this environment, this move, you know, movement in the trend line towards fitness, however we want to deliver it, you know, our vehicle would be, as I've said in the past, taking an athletic performance based approach to using gym equipment in a gym facility. And that's the, that's the turkey, right? That's the ribs in the oven, but the drippings in the tray, that juice that just comes out from the fucking cook that's your fitness, right? But either way, what we're talking about is using this environment to create and instill behavior, ownership, accountability. And that's what excites us about what we're doing with 
our gig out here with some of the PE coaches in Texas is we're taking uh, disempowered. Is that what the term I'm looking for, Tex? Roll with it. PE coaches and PE students. PE students are kids who do not play sports in Texas and have been stripped of like this hour of potential development time of that platform. And we're fucking injecting some life into it so that we can take ownership of that. Like all the magic that any gym owner, any gym owner out there who's, I guess, a little further down the life cycle, who truly does it for their people. Right. And the final, like, listen, you want to make some cash too. That's fine. But you notice transformation in people and their mindset and their life. You, you know, you put their, you put them on a better track. You know that there's a platform for change here and that's how you should be kind of running this thing. Right. Um, no, no, that's where I kind of yeah. dead end in my thought process. Totally. And, the, you know, there's some altruism there and like, uh, you know, the world's a better place because you're in it and all that. But, uh, you know, for for me, it still comes back to this evolution thing. You know, I'm, you know, I think that's what was happening at, uh, what were you, the, the Naperville, uh, you know, CrossFit Naperville. or what? Cross, oh, what, Naperville what Red Hawks? School? The Red Hawks, baby. Yeah, 2001 I State think, Champs. Yeah. <laughs> IHSA. Is that what you're talking I about? I think you were in that environment to see how good you can get. You know, like it's the reason why there's someone on the other side of the, the line playing against you, you know. And so if you look at your evolution as a coach, you started out as a former athlete who coached people who were ignorant. And at some point, you, you got good at that. And then you started coaching these seminars at a higher level. And now the new challenge for you is can you coach coaches? And, and now that's evolved even further. Can you coach coaches who coach other coaches? And the reason why you didn't stop back when you were just coaching just ignorant folks at the 9 a.m. class was because you sort of transcended that. And that's the, the natural evolution that, that we're all on, you know? And so, when we're talking about like the, the self-awareness thing and all that high level people are extremely interested in their, their edges, you know, where, where their capacity is where, where it stops. It's sort of like the new frontier. And so I think you guys are, I'm watching you guys challenge your capacity to coach and evolve yourself. And I think that's what this is all about. That's why we play sports. That's why you start a business and all that and, and i think the call to action to people isn't like quit your nine to five or whatever it's just it's like the question is what are you becoming and is your is your nine to five or is your thing the stereotypical thing that's often talked about evolving you or are you just marking time and i think if, if we're not evolving then we're not doing the one job that we have to do you know so it's, it's less about the who what when where why what time you start work what time you end work whatever but evolution and you guys are, are, are doing that. If you look at your coaching career, it's exactly what it is, you know, kind of, I guess pulling in our uh, genetics, geography and opportunity to this and kind of, I guess, self-awareness, you also need direction. So this is where a, the appropriate coach, like you got uh, Turley back, but fortunately at, uh, at USD, but he was able to, I guess, provide a direction whether he knew it or not in what is I guess quality performance training um, and that that could be kind of walking into a, a specialty seminar 
And I don't know, it, that's lit, the football seminar is what changed my trajectory as a coach, right? Instead of just, uh, you know, more work or hard work. No, it, it needs to be specific towards it. So I guess, one, having that self-awareness, but two, direction from something somewhere that I guess will will unlock your your coaching potential, your athletic potential, your business potential. And um, I guess maybe we're trying to bottle up that direction and freaking sell it. Yeah. Five ninety five. Snake oil. Snake oil. <laughs> Drink no, it up. What Johnny. we're doing is actually working. Did snake oil salesmen believe that snake oil is actually helping these people? I don't know. Is that a real thing? Or is there know. snake oil? Because I'm interested. Why else would we be talking about it? Hmm. For sure. It's there for had sure. to be. Yeah. I, I wasn't around, but there had to be. get it? <laughs> Snakes. You just grind them up into oil, like fish oil. Or you squeeze them. Yeah, <laughs> squeeze them real hard. I don't know. We'll, have, the, to look, we'll have to find a snake oil expert to bring on to the podcast. So, Logan, what, what are you digging into now? I know we picked on it a little <clears throat> prior to the show, but... You're not, excuse me, you're not fucking, um, you know, pursuing any sort of USAW, like really tactical coaching type thing. You're, you're a little above, above that. Right. No, so what's, what's uh, I'm definitely, not, I'm definitely not above that. Um, I'm a beginner in jujitsu, you know, I'm trying to like get weird with that. Uh, blue belt, but right? did you just get a blue belt? I just got a blue belt. Yeah. And what's that mean? Is that like, uh, is that after what, what layer, what level is that? Uh, it's the beginning, dude. It's early on. Um, let's just say I'd be the safest person in that room, but in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the jujitsu studio, I'm not, um, yeah, I'm just a beginner, man. Uh, but work wise, things are evolving to use that word again. So deuce athletics now put on some big boy pants and now they're open in their own facility in Hermosa beach. And then we just closed the deal on deuce backlot, which will be in West Hollywood. And so this is the results that come from a process orientation with coaches prep, right? Just create problems, right? And the problem is we have too many, highly capable leaders twiddling their thumbs and uh, looking for a challenge. And so when the right emails come in, we can decide if we want to say yes or no to cool opportunities. And, and so here we are. And so there's no real grand vision to open a specific amount of gyms in a specific amount of time, but this is sort of the, the result, like I said, of the, of the process. Um, Coaches prep online is rolling. I teach this thing we call the hold the standard summit and it's been around uh, Europe and Australia, but we're, we're doing that here in Los Angeles and in the U S for the first time, March 3rd and 4th. And that's talking about a lot of stuff we touched on today, which is leadership, organizational culture. Uh, we talk about the history of how people work together. So there are actually stages of organizations where, these gym owners and coaches can come in and see based on how their organization works, where they are in that evolution. And it's often very eye-opening because they find that they are much more regressive than they'd like to imagine. They realize uh, where their bottlenecks are, what would be available to them if they could evolve to the next step. 
Um, and many of these alpha leader type folks realize that it's not their people. It's actually them who are fucking up their program. And so, um, and we get into basically the behind the scenes deal of like how we run Deuce Gym and just sort of coach them up. So it's a really cool time. Uh, this one in Los Angeles, I'm going to have my, my coach come give one of the lectures, Dr. Kara Miller, who is pure savage when it comes to leadership and the adult development, basically psychology side of what's happening in organizations. And she is worth the price of admission. Let's, let's say that, you know, she's Ray Dalio's coach uh, amongst others, uh, world-class, like doesn't get better. And so uh, we're trying to put on a, a wonderful experience for folks um carl powley and i and um, some friends caroline burkle uh, founder of strike movement mark morissette are putting on an event here at the gym i'm sure this will come out shortly after that but basically we're going around and sharing what we're doing with strike movement and um yeah it's just another environment to hold ourselves accountable and move the needle on something you know so a lot of stuff in the air so what are you doing with Strike Movement? Are you an ambassador? Like, what's the involvement there? Just male model? No, man. Uh, I joined the the ownership group, so um, I'm fully invested in the in the the brand in more ways than just um, emotional investment. But you know, we're trying to we're trying to have a conversation that I think the world is ready to have when it comes to something as silly as. Uh, apparel and shoes you know again that's the excuse you know just like baseball was the excuse to see what i was capable of entrepreneurship is the excuse to say something in the fitness community um creating great products call them shoes call them clothes is the excuse for us to say what we want to say about movement and sort of get everybody to that outer ring that we were talking about earlier um and say, you know, hey, what's the same about all of this stuff? And and uh, you know that that gets back to the 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 motto, united by motion. You know, and so um, it's a cool. I'm very proud to be a part of that group. So then, tactically, what does that look like for you, man? I mean, what do you does that come into just summits like you're holding? Um, or yeah, I mean. It's- Everything is everything, you know? Uh, so something that I think I've done well, you know, if, if I'm going to not critique myself for a second, something I think I've done well is layering all this stuff in a way that I can just live my life and say the things that I want to say, uh, and have the biggest impact possible. And it's intentional that it's sort of blurry. Like you just said, you're like, I don't know. I don't really get it. Like, where is this like a summit thing? Or is it a strike movement thing? Or like, where does the book come in? Or like, where is the gym involved? And that's the the goal is that um, it, this is all one big conversation, you know? And uh, yeah, part of it, sure, we gotta we gotta make some money to to eat and pay rent and all that stuff. But uh, what really gets me out of bed is creating things and saying what I want to say in the world, and so. I'm still holding strong to this goal that I made when I was little that I will never 
make a resume. So I'm just going to keep making it up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what, uh, so who out there is doing what strike is doing? Cause I'm still, I'm understanding conceptually, you got some gear, it starts the conversation and then you've uh, a players like you and fucking hot Carl come in and, and like finish the conversation. Right. And it yeah. starts to create this lifestyle, this culture. But is there, is there anyone else out there doing that? Uh, that's a loaded question and I like it. Uh, no is the answer. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And so I think for me, and I, I'm not making official statements for the brand at this point, but for me, uh, I appreciate the universe that someone like a Nike has created and Adidas before them. Um, but I believe the world is that time is over and the world is ready for another conversation. You know, I, I look at the American economy in this way, which is like, I feel like America, we pounded our chest in the last 20 years with essentially Costco and Walmart and said, look at all the efficient, cheap ways we can, we can make and deliver product and the consumerism thing. But now we want connection, you know, like that we, we've demonstrated that ability and now it's it's sterile. We want connection. And this is the reason why people buy, you know, jeans from their friend's brand instead of uh, going down to the mall, right? The, the, t the time there is changing. And so what excites me about this is you look at like a, a Nike thing. Everybody's obsessed with Nike, right? And it's like you buy the shoe because you want to be like Mike, right? And this is a different conversation. This is like you buy the shoe so you can do your thing, right? It's like a blank canvas type of, a, of approach. This is what we're, we're trying to say. And, and empowering people to go out and express themselves in whatever way that they want. Motion or movement tends to be this universal conversation that transcends all sort of opinion or whatever. And so this is less about buying a shoe because uh, michael jordan's wearing it and it's more about buying a shoe because it's a brand that's supporting your freedom of expression and i think just consciously we're ready for this you know and so uh, with the right people i think uh, we can share that message well and we are you know i mean it's definitely the you're right directionally that's where there is these micro there are these micro pockets of success and even outside of apparel, you see this, you see it going down with food, right? There's, yeah. there's a food component of this, this in that launched four or five years ago, local, you know, farmer's market, locally sourced type shit, get to know your farmer. Uh, and I'm not saying type shit because it's a bad thing. I just had no other way to put it, but, uh, stay classy meats who helped us with the symposium that, you know, and they flew out fucking a hundred pounds of amazing meat and grilled it up at John's house for the speakers. You guys were invited, but you unfortunately declined on behalf of like team we time, which deep, I do. I get it. Not, I get it. And I appreciate it. And I, it is, I understand I do. And, uh, but these guys are doing the same thing. You know, they are, yeah. they are, they're using their product to have this conversation. And you know, why would you, why would you buy that? Cause I know these guys and everybody who, buys their shit, knows them. And I'm with, you know, you're aligned with a group. And, uh, 
not necessarily the brand, it's the consumers you're aligned with, right? So that oh. lifestyle element, it's all this trippy, man. What else we got, Tex? Well, I'm just curious about Logan. Um, talk to me about your, your, your creative process. So you do a lot of blogs. You spend a lot of time on social media, just crushing A lot. It. A lot crushing of time. Crushing the social media. King of social Allegedly. media. So what, uh, what does that creative process, do you dedicate, all right, Tuesday, I'm sitting down, I'm shutting off the phone, I'm going to sit here with my journal, or is it, all right, I'm going to meet my friends and we're going to talk about what's going on in our, our lives in the world, and then you that sparks something that you want to share. So what is your creative process for all the content that you're able to distribute? Uh, for me, I'm highly introverted, so I'm constantly internalizing and thinking. And, and, and for me, the creative process is one of like dissatisfaction, unfortunately. So uh, I think this is the creative process for everybody, whether they realize it or not, is uh, there's some sort of image or um, call it a standard, uh, a preference, a taste. Uh, and the creative process is trying to create the image in your head to present the image in your head. And what we do is we fall short of that. And the creative process is moving the needle between what is your reality, call it on paper or in an image or in an article and your idealistic expression of that. And so creative people or people who are expressing creativity are essentially trying to get closer and closer and closer to that idealistic taste. And even um, folks who would call themselves, um, you know, uh, unartistic or not very creative or, you know, um, a, a poor writer, for example, still have in their mind some, what it's called in like academics is a mental representation uh, and what the, the mind is trying to do is get closer and closer to this mental representation. The best performers in the world have the clearest mental representation of what their thing is. So like a diver, you know, on the diving board at the uh, Olympics has a very clear picture as to like what the 540 inverted twist thing is. And that gives them a chance to execute on it. Right. And so as you get better at whatever it is that you're doing, say it's like drawing or you're a photographer or whatever, your mental representations, um, or I should say your work, don't just get closer to your mental representations, but your, your mental representations or your taste or your, this image in your head actually gets better. And so for me, it is oddly a very uh, emotionally dissatisfying process i think that's why like a lot of creative people are like fucked up is because they have this thing in their head they're trying to get out into the world and the reality of that expression is not quite there yet you know and so it's a cool thing to play with it can get really dark but um you know i sort of look at that as like a microcosm of this whole thing that, that that's what training is right there's just like idealistic thing. And then you sort of chip away to get closer. That's what competition is. Um, and so I just happen to like art a little bit. And so visually, I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. 
Well, I guess maybe um, common theme, right? That just that dissatisfied, that taste, and that being a driver for forward progress. But uh, we coined a new term because after after this fucking um, after this last symposium, we sat down for our after action type deal and debrief and kind of dump with the team internally. And dude, <clears throat> so we all it was funny, funny wave of emotion. You know, you have this crazy high after this thing's done. You know, there's a relief that it went off. No one's dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, bills are paid. You know, all yeah. like the just things that go on with a, a seminar or a event of that magnitude. And, uh, you know, immediate there's relief, but the immediate emotional response. And I, you know, cause I'm, I was running point on this thing was like, so dissatisfied, like just literally depressed that it yeah. went like all of every, my lens was of a lens of negativity. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and no I was changed there and I was not a pleasant person to be around for the, the next 18 hours. And then like you start talking to people, people are shooting you texts. You're going back, you get this lens of positivity, right? And you're like, fuck, man. You know, we actually knocked it out of the park, right? And then you sit down for this fucking after-action report. Um, the, the, the key players and, like, their, their verticals lay out the issues they had. <laughs> and then you lay out your issues. And you realize, like, how far short we fell from the, uh, the mental... Fill me in, Logan. Men representation. Mental representation of the planning process. Yeah. And you're like back in that dissatisfaction again, you know, but then you like sit there and you have this, everything's frosted with this amazing success. And uh, what one of our guys, Harry, uh, who does our branding came up with or, or passed along to us is something that one of his, his, I think CEO director refers to as positively dissatisfied. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and that's, that should be the acceptable, that should be the acceptable mindset after something like that, where there is another iteration on the forefront is positively dissatisfied. Because if you kicked in the door and everything was perfect, like, like you said, where's the evolution in that? And, um, and maybe that's a mindset and it was to keep, he could see me going to a dark place at like after two hours of this debrief, he's like, dude, I got to introduce you to something. And, uh, oddly enough, this is something that came from Nike. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just yeah. kind of like a mantra there in, in their employee review and development is like positive dissatisfaction as, as a trait of an employee with promise, right? For um, sure. and, and it was a great way to articulate it because there can be fucking negatively dissatisfied, like when you totally fuck up. And yeah. I don't know. It's just being able to delineate between those two, honestly, uh, which just this just happened in December. Um, yeah. it's something that I've, I have been unable to do up until that point going, coming off of seminars, um, coming off of speaking gigs, coming off of projects, you know, you just walk out of that door with that, that kind of cloak of just dissatisfaction, but also acknowledging like, Hey, you know, we fucking rocked it, but yeah, well, it goes back to the importance of that, that feedback loop that Logan was, was mentioning earlier. And I mean, take it back to, I 1999 film room film room yeah. i love the film room as a as a sport coach because i mean that's where you make the most progress it sucks the eye in the sky doesn't lie mm -hmm. but then your ability to have the difficult conversation with that athlete or get talked down to uh, I, I don't know if y'all have film rooms in baseball but um <laughs> 
Yeah, it freaking hardens you the fuck up. So, th- so yeah. for those of maybe some listeners that haven't played sports, basically you play a game, win, lose, or draw. Uh, you come in the first thing next morning, maybe bang some weights first, I don't, or maybe after. Um, but you sit down, and the coach just sits there in the front row with a fucking. The, it was a VCR at the time, and they're playing tape of every single play. They go through every single play and watch every single player. So you watch the same play in football eleven times, and everyone gets a review. And that happens in high school for a defense, 60 to 70, maybe 80 times or 40 times. If you're fucking state championship worthy, all conference defense, 1999. (laughs) I wouldn't know anything about that, but go on. Um, But that's what Texas is talking about in terms of film room. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and this is some guidance that I've been giving to a lot of the coaches that um, essentially come to us to improve. And it is film yourself coaching. We talk about, oh, film your lifts, do this. Hey, check out my lift. What do I need to improve upon? Fuck, let's film your coaching. Let's talk about your introduction and weaving in the connections between movements, the the purpose of movements. How are you presenting this purpose that helps and develops some some conscious awareness that the athlete's going to apply? So if there's the purpose of this movement, uh, skill transfer, whatever it is, right, okay, well, uh, I need to switch them on so they're thinking about their foot position or, you know, pushing back for a posterior chain dominance for a lunge, whatever. And so they can they can consciously work through this movement, which then accelerates their athleticism because if we're consciously thinking about movement during training, you know, we're, we're speeding up, thickening that myelin sheath, whatever it is that goes on in our brains, and then that frees them up to, you know, express themselves on the baseball field or the, the basketball court because they already know how to lunge to the maximum of their ability and it frees them up. So now I've been just providing guidance. I want the film room for coaching. Mm. I want to start to to bring that to it because it is it was so valuable as an athlete. But now, because, I, I mean, uh, and this comes from doing more and more speaking because the only feedback I get, because I'm talking to people that have not heard any of the power athlete message before. So this is all new. So I'm getting like the good job is positive, but I know it could always be better. Mm. You need so, me in the crowd. To I need stomp you. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And this is again, not, I am uh, much like Logan introverted. I am not a, a public speaker, but the message has to get out there. So this is how we're going to do it. So I need to, um, be very positively dissatisfied with my speaking. Yeah. Uh, it, but I would, if I were you, it. I would, I would consider negative dissatisfaction. I'm just uh, saying. No, because so much matters. <laughs> or nothing. No, all of well, it. Everything is that, everything. Quoting Logan. Yeah. That interest is the mindset that pays. You know, you guys have that culture where you're, you have a, a, a company or a group that, embraces negative feedback that's what we've cultivated at deuce gym you know video is a small part of that but you know the highest performing version of yourself is extremely interested in the negative feedback right you finish a talk yeah i guess it feels good for a bunch of people to come up to you and say like hey tex great job that was awesome really inspired sweet really though you don't know what to do with that information there's actually nothing you can really do with that information and high level individuals are looking for useful information. They can put aside like their fucking feelings to get the performance, which is tell me what needs to be better. 
you know, like a good friend of mine. Um, she's a world-class chef, Chef Antonia. She's on TV doing her thing, got a bunch of restaurants. You go eat in one of her restaurants. Hey, how is everything? Oh, it's great. So she's like, shut the fuck up. What, what's wrong? Give me something. Like, how's, how's the hostess? How's the, right? She wants to know what is going poorly about this experience. She wants to know the part of her performance that can be better because that's a tangible, actionable piece for her own evolution, you know? And, and so that goes back to the mindset thing. That's, this is where we have to start. Like at, at Deuce, it goes back to, uh, you know, Carol Dweck's work. And you guys mentioned the Nike thing, which, which before the growth mindset, that dissatisfaction was still the highest performing, um, characteristic trait of an employee at Nike. That's the reason why they wanted it. Someone who is never satisfied. If, if you have an employee or a athlete who is looking for validation and uh, wants to be recognized and patted on the back, there's a ceiling to that athlete's potential because they're unwilling to, they're uninterested in the blind spot of where they can improve. Right. And so uh, this is this goes back to the the classic story of Luke hearing John's get the fuck out of my office. You're not ready to teach the seminar as good news. You know, the the fixed mindset Luke who's sitting there and hears that and says, "Fuck you! I moved all the way across the country to be out here. I'm ready. You're you're full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about." That fixed mindset guy who's protecting the ego, who's uninterested in the negative feedback is not sitting here having this conversation with us, right? And you guys with that culture have built this sort of perpetual motion machine where our athlete is going to be better next year than it is this year. It just is because you're highly interested in how you can be better. You know, if you guys were hyper emotional, feel good guys who just want to hear how awesome you are, then the best case Thanks. scenario is you'll be the exact same next year. You know, we can't have that for Power Athlete Radio. No, we're on an up and up because it's going to go to a movie review show soon. Oh, my God. <clears throat> and guest karaoke. I mean, carpool karaoke is crushing it. Why not podcast karaoke? Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Apologies for the abrupt finish to this episode. There was a little bit of a technical difficulty at the end. But if you're looking for ways to get in touch with Logan, first, queue up your Instagram and plug in these handles. At Functional Coach, at Deuce underscore Gym, at Deuce underscore Athletics, O Nutritionals, and at Deuce Backlot. Consider hopping on his coach's development course or dropping in at one of his gyms the next time you're in the LA area. Until next time, bye!